here we are. This is Sex Love Psychedelics, and I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Bringing you psychosexual conversations that will leave you intellectually turned on and hungry for more. Hey lovers, this episode is going to blow your mind. Sex and psychedelics are two hot topics, but they are both topics that we need to be stepping into this with reverence and eyes fully open. Reverence because they are both powerful tools for healing, for dissolving cultural myths and trauma, deepening our connection to ourselves and to life in general, really. Eyes open because both have a shadow side that relates to rules of power that can be misused and concepts of consent that can become blurry and uncertain. So if you're stepping into working with either of these fields for personal growth, you need to equip yourself with knowledge to keep you safe and help you integrate. Reverend Brianna Lynn is here to help us wade through the plant medicine waters to help us understand the relationship of eroticism to plant medicine as well as hear about the abuse of power and sex that can occur in the psychedelic and the shamanic plant medicine world so that you can move forward with more safety and informed decisions. I'm sure that this episode is going to spark your curiosity in the relationship between sex and psychedelics. And maybe it's bringing up a lot for you. Maybe you're like, oh my God, those things don't need to be vaccine. But I want to give you the resources to educate you so that you can reduce the harm for yourself and to create more safety as you're exploring, if you're exploring. My upcoming course, Sex of Psychedelics, is for all genders and explores the depths of what sex could be. I believe that sex in and of itself is psychedelic. Sex has the potential to take you into transcendent states of consciousness. It can be a catalyst for healing. It can dissolve the boundaries between yourself and the world. And you can channel high flow of energy through your body in just sex. Did you know that? And in this seven-week course, I go into the practices of energetic trance states in sex, BDSM, psychedelic harm reduction practices, and the science of your orgasms. So if you've been feeling that your sex life could be so much more, and I know that it can be, I want to share this with you. Access depths of pleasure and connection, potent power in these sacred practices in the erotic arts. Once you taste this, (laughs) once you taste the nectar of your potent sexual vibrancy, you can't really go back to something that's, that's boring and mundane. It's just like, it's like an, uh, like a bland meal that just like leaves you hungry for so much more. I am finishing the final touches on this product and I could still use your help. (laughs) So if you have experience in sex and psychedelics, whether that's by yourself or with a partner or in a ceremony setting, I am collecting anonymous anecdotal data for my guides, my programs, and my upcoming book on this topic. So how you can help me help you (laughs) is by filling out this survey that I've created to let me know what your experience has been like. You know, this is for the good and the challenges. This is 
still very much a taboo topic. And it's important for us to have, uh, you know, to have conversations around so that we can really normalize these experiences, but also give the best guidance for safety. So check out the survey on sex and psychedelics. It's actually fun. Everybody who's taken it has told me, wow, that really brought up so much insight for me and my own experiences and things to look for uh, from my future experiences. So it's designed to bring awareness and intentionality into your own experiences, while it also helps me to create a map for everyone. Yay, we all win. (laughs) So the link to both that landing page for the program and this survey is in my show notes. Now to this amazing human, my dear friend, Reverend Brianna Lynn. (laughs) I met her years ago at an ayahuasca ceremony and her wisdom and her connectedness, not only with herself, but with the space around her, the people around her, and even beyond her (laughs) is so exquisite and so inspiring. So I've been wanting this conversation and we've just been in each other's fields of wanting this to have this conversation. And we're going to dive in to talk about everything erotic related to plant medicine. So thank you so much for coming on here. Mm -hmm. It's such an honor and really a delight to have um, safe and sacred spaces to dive into the conversation of sex and sexual energy. Um, utilizing, you know, you have a clinical background. I have a deep academic background, like utilizing that piece, but not anesthetizing Mm -hmm. the beauty of it in the process. So I just really appreciate the way that you have this, um, yeah, trauma informed perspective and you're still bringing forward the erotic in a very live way. So just grateful Mm -hmm. to be here as, as a peer and as a student and um, a silly teacher when it's appropriate, but but mostly just in admiration of the energy that you're really bringing forward in this conversation. Oh, Grateful to be a part. Thank you. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. I feel so worshipped right now. <laughs> <laughs> Feelings <laughs> mutual, babe. We're just going to mm. flirt for the next hour. So if yeah. you're, <laughs> I hope you're ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already blushing. It's perfect. You know, it's so interesting too, as you bring up the concept of academia and the concept of eroticism, because in our culture, there's so much segmentation of these parts of us. You know, eroticism belongs over here. Professionalism belongs over here. You know, academia belongs over here. But the intersection of them all uh, is the tricky part. And I see so much hesitancy and so much dancing around words and, (laughs) you know, body scanning practices. I've sat in some and they skip right over the genitals and right over the pelvic area. And I'm like, we just don't have that today. Yeah, we don't have that today. Just skip over it. It's interesting too. I would include in that interesting um, part and parceling, if you will, uh, dissociation of self in these different ways into sacred medicine work as well, plant medicine work. And um, this mythos uh, that sexual energy and plant medicine work is a big no-no. And I want to dive more into that with you today, but there's this space that I'm really interested in around utilizing sexual energy in facilitation spaces with and without plant medicine, but specifically in like that catharsis space, bringing forward that sexual energy as a way 
to practice self-healing. I think the conversation around sexual energy goes straight into partners or straight into the projection and the feeding rather than the original Tantra, which, which I love, love the quote that Psalm Isadora gives of like original Tantra is 10 years. It's a decade by yourself. It's first learning how to run that energy within your own spinal cord, within your own breath, within your own laughter, within your own physical and emotional structure. Um, and, and, and what I've noticed, uh, I was raised born again, Christian in an evangelical cultish environment. Um, and the, the purity culture there and the chastity culture there, that is very similar to the purity and chastity culture that exists specifically in certain patriarchal, patriarchalized models within plant medicine and new age spirituality. Um, so yeah, I want I want to dive no, into that, and then great. also like the sideways the sideways sexuality of what happens when sexuality is repressed in spiritual containers, um, and how that often results in abuse of sexual energy. Um, yeah. yeah, because just as much as the you know this exists in every other community in the world, there is a light and there's a shadow aspect of all of this, and I think the more that we can. Um, have conversations and understand the nuances, we can really empower people to make discerning decisions for themselves. And so as we're, as we're bringing up the words, uh, you know, eroticism and plant medicine, um, maybe we start there and describe to people what that is and how they, and how do we see erotic, the erotic nature of psychedelics? Like how do we see, see that? Yeah. Coming about. Yes. Yeah, so when we say plant medicine or psychedelics, for, for me, I'm I'm referring to the flora, fauna, and fungi, queendoms and kingdoms. These incredible spans of plants, of animals, and of mushrooms, and what is available when we tap into their energy, consume them, and utilize their biochemistry in order to get us into what my experience is a more expanded state where we have more energy flowing through us. When we have more life force energy flowing through us, when we have more availability to be aware of the places of our psyche that are stored in our body as, as the entire being that we are, the giant nervous system from the tips of our hair follicles all the way down to our toes stores information from this lifetime and generationally. And what plant medicine does is it helps highlight the places in the body and in the, the full psyche of where there are kinks or where there are um, bends or where there are almost like suctions of energy that don't allow our life force energy to flow. Yeah. And this yeah. life force energy, this erotic energy, that's all it is, eros, and it's just life. Some it's people life. call it God, yeah. right? Some people call it love. I like to call it orgasm. You're calling it erotic <laughs> energy. Like it is, it's just, yeah. it's just, what it is, right. And so when we consume plant medicine specifically in a ceremonial way with the intention to go in and heal some of these misrepresentations of life force energy in our psyche, in our body, when we go in and, and unkink that hose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and allow the energy to run through our body, what's available as human beings, as human feelers, as human artists, as human creators is so much more vast 
because now that erotic energy can flow through our body without a kink in the system. Yeah. And from and so a, that's really where it comes in together. Yeah. And from a trauma informed lens uh, through the work that I do, you know, trauma is these contractions in the body, the body in, um, unable, the body and the brain of unable to fully move through an experience. So exactly like you're saying, there's these kinks or these contractions, these places in our body that get frozen and even the fascia around them get frozen. So how does that end up impacting the flow of, yeah, our nervous system, the functionality of our nervous system? You know, do we get stuck in the fight or flight mode? Do we get stuck in this frozen mode? All of that impacting our vibrancy. Do you see if each of these uh, plant medicines or psychedelics, do they have uh, un different uh, unique signatures, like erotic signatures, like how you, uh, I don't know, the word that's coming to my mind is like texture, like you're in the yeah. experience, like a different texture with the eroticism? Totally. For me, yes. There's a piece where each one has its own, almost its own tone and uh -huh. the bridge to get to the oneness place and the bridge to get out of the oneness place is distinct. So almost think of like plant medicine as an elevator and you're going up floor by floor by floor by floor. And the journey from ground floor to the top floor is a different elevator for each plant medicine is a different texture. But once you're at the top floor, we're at the top floor. Once I'm in a state of oneness or once I'm in a state of, I call it being in the river of consciousness yeah. where it feels like I am everything around me and everything around me is me. And the separation is not as available to my yeah. imagination. Yeah. Um, when that, that perceived separation drops, once I'm there, whether I've sat with Waichuma or Ayahuasca or Iboga or San Pedro, or I already said San Pedro with Waichuma, um, <laughs> or, or Bufo, like once I'm in that state, it's there. But each medicine, and I would say even each time sitting with each medicine, oh, yeah. there is a different texture. There's a different nuance of the relationship. In the traditions that I've studied with, specifically the Shoar Sekopai of Ecuador, they really, the, the emphasis was on your relationship with Mama Yahe, right? Ayahuasca, your, the, the, the conversation, the song that you're having with her. And my experience specifically of, of dimethyltryptamine DMT in the form of ayahuasca is extraordinarily sexual and yeah. sensual and yeah. erotic. <laughs> I will say the same one, thing. <laughs> right? From the first time I drank and I really wronged myself for, I thought, oh, this must be my sexual trauma or this must be, uh -huh. you know, the repressed church girl coming out or something. But literally I was like grinding in my hammock for for the first night, like very awake in my loins, my visualizations were me as a baby going back into my mother's womb, her going back into her mother's womb, back, 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 back into all these wombs, back into mm -hmm. all this like pussy power place. And I didn't share in the integration work. I didn't share how much came up for me sexually and sensually. And, um, Similarly, m many times in my studies, specifically with ayahuasca and then also with peyote, with the Native American church, there was a, um, a top-down, usually male to the rest of the congregation, if you will, information that sexual energy was dangerous in the medicine space. Mm. Ooh, very <laughs> cultural <laughs> reflection. <laughs> yeah. On the macro. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this part of me, like as the historian academic that I am, 
doing research around, okay, the colonization and the utilization of the Judeo-Christian Catholic paradigm of purity and chastity, how that got exported to a lot of indigenous cultures as this standard of, okay, we don't use sexuality or we don't get naked or we don't allow women who are bleeding into these spaces. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, like how much of that is influenced from that or how much of that is kind of like a patriarchy that isn't necessarily from colonization and says that sexual energy is dangerous or potentially the the number one thing that I've heard specifically from medicine men, specifically in peyote from the Native American church and ayahuasca circles of of Rigiawanawa and Santo Daini and Shuar, Shipibo, um, would be that 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 igniting that sexual energy could cause someone to fall, could cause a participant or the medicine, usually the medicine man, to be tempted to do something that could cause harm to someone else. If we ignite this sexual energy, we might ignite the predators. Mm. And I find that to be interesting. Very victim shaming, right? Like they're calling the participant the one that's the tempter. And there's also this space when, especially when I first started running sexual energy in my early 20s, I worked with the now infamous organization One Taste. They just had a documentary called um, Orgasm Inc. come out. And yeah. Nicole Dedone, the head founder, was my mentor. And one of the things that she was really adamant, I do not endorse this organization. I left for many reasons that are displayed in the documentary. But one of the things she did help me understand as a young woman with a lot of sexual energy was how to run our energy within ourselves. Mm-hmm. how to utilize sexual energy for our own enjoyment rather than to seek the attention of the other. Especially as female-bodied individuals, we're often trained to use our sex energy to get attention, validation, praise. These Resources. things that are, yeah. right? <laughs> to, 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 to be validated as a human being on this experience, it matters who is attracted to me and that gives me this piece and a lot of that is not fully conscious. So I understand uh, even my own like wariness of bringing in sexual energy to, to plant medicine spaces. What I'm facilitating is often around, but we don't have that elementary erotic training, Tantra 101, how mm-hmm. to run sexual energy in my own spinal cord. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the conversation even before this one that we're having of like, how do we um, promote activate, continue to support people of learning about the beauties of sexual energy as a personal process first. Yeah. And I think you're, you're, God, that's so beautiful because there is this emphasis in our culture that if you feel turned on or if you feel desire, you have to do something with it. If you're aroused, do something with it. And so then we get people in these frustrated, horny states of like, I don't have any sexual partner available to me or, or this coercion that ends up happening because they feel a right to, they feel the arousal and they have to put it somewhere, you know? And, and, and here it's saying, uh, instead of expelling outward, yeah, use it to nourish your own self, turn your own self on for, for turn on sake. That's one, something that that's been a reflection that's consistently been um, given to me by women when I'm working with them or just being in community is that they know that I'm in my erotic energy, that I'm in my sexuality, but I'm not putting it anywhere. 
So they all feel safe, or at least the ones that have told me this, they always felt safe that I wasn't going to try to take their man or I wasn't trying to get them to do anything. And it was such a, it's been beautiful reflections to me because that shows me, yeah, I am self-contained with my energy. It's not leaking and and fusing and and going anywhere that it's not supposed to be or not consensually. Uh, But how do we, uh, I think this space of learning how to dissolve these cultural myths and these these, you know, messages of repression that we've ex- experienced for so long can help us to be able to uh, limit the leaking or limit the the unconsciously using. Oh, fully, that unconsciously using space. I love, I love that you brought this forward. And, and you do have a very strong erotic presence and you do run your energy within yourself. That type of education, I think is number, probably within the top three things that are missing within the sacred conversation, right? Whether it's religion, um, plant medicine, uh, paganism, whatever, (laughs) there's, there's, there's peace missing around our personal erotic energy as the keyhole to the mansion of God. Like that's kind of the whole point, right? The whole point <laughs> of all the plant medicine or the whole point of singing to Jesus or the whole point, in my opinion, this is totally in my opinion. The whole point of that is to feel more life. The whole point of forgiving and ho'oponoponoing and meditating and doing crazy darkness retreats. The whole point of it is to feel more erotic energy, is to feel more aliveness, is to have access more to my passion and my art and my juice connecting to myself first and then to the other. And that, that piece around like erotic as God, right? Orgasm as God, not oh, this is the thing I do in my bedroom and this is what I do over here. Or like I'm bringing Tantra into the bedroom so therefore I'm making sex sacred. I'm doing air quotes as I say that. Sex is always sacred. Yeah, It's now bringing the intention of my sexual energy isn't for sharing first. It is for me first. It's to build my body. It's to help me decide what I want to eat. It's to help me build my business. It's to help me paint this painting. Our sexual energy is for the purpose of life. It's for the purpose of love. And there is, in my in my experience, there actually is no distinction between God and er- eroticism. To, to me, that is one and the same. Mm-hmm. Which, which again, comes back to dissolving some of the cultural messages, the religious messages of repression. You know, that as you're saying, they are the same. And I imagine, or uh, I'm coming back to some of the times that I've been in, whether it's ayahuasca circles or um, even ketamine. (laughs) I had the experience in a ketamine training full of other clinicians uh, where my whole body was taken, the the boundary between me and the space around me dissolved. And I was in full-blown sounding orgasm, like body orgasm in the space. Again, it's being able to fully let go and surrender and open open to that flow, that flood of the energy. And I think, you know, for me, psychedelics have been such a such a um, big part of my sexual healing. But I didn't understand some of these complex concepts around surrendering. I didn't understand boundaries. Not really. I was pretty dissociated, especially when it came to sex, but in life in general, um, you know, I didn't understand this concept of, of energy and in those spaces, it now became this, um, 
uh, reference point for these concept concepts that I that I wasn't wasn't embodying fully embodying. I knew the words, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm totally synergy, but I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it is about psychedelics that that helped to create those those reference points? Mm. Well. I would say intentional psychedelics. I, I, I think having sure. um, an intention and a set and setting and I call it ceremony, but whatever type of journey that someone chooses to have, having an intentional space for healing, specifically mm-hmm. for any part of me that has maintained the story of my trauma, mm-hmm. any part of me in my body, heart, unconsciousness, whatever you want to call it, um, past lives. I don't care what the metaphor, right? Whatever the metaphor is, any part of me that still believes that I am in danger. When we go in to move that energy and be with that energy, there's a lot of protective mechanisms around keeping that trauma alive. We keep traumas alive in order for them to not happen again. But what's funny about that is when that energy is running into our, in our body, usually not consciously, other than consciously, we are attracting continual experiences of that same energy. Mm -hmm. So we start to notice, oh, I date this kind of person, or I continually have these kinds of sexual experiences, or I can only make this much money. These types of patterns we start to notice in our life usually are indicative of a trauma that has been unresolved. And where psychedelics can come in as an aid, as one tool, I I suggest psychedelics in a toolbox, make sure you're moving your body, make sure you have a community, make sure you have trauma-informed, if not a therapist, a coach who knows the deep side of trauma um, uh, and, and a space to be able to navigate altering your consciousness. I do not endorse the use of psychedelics or plant medicines without also having therapy, trauma-informed coaching community, moving your body, eating well. There is no point in doing psychedelics in a space where you will continually traumatize yourself. It can be more harmful for someone to sit with plant medicine or psychedelics if they're continually receiving trauma in their current life. So I want to be very clear. Psychedelics are not a red pill. Ayahuasca is not going to solve your problems. It is a tool in a toolkit for dismantling the personal and systemic trauma that's currently on our planet. One tool. And the piece that psychedelics can help us with is that those protective mechanisms that want to keep the trauma around so it doesn't happen again. It allows, my experience is it allows a little bit of that protective mechanism to drop. So we can see, hear, feel, taste the trauma more readily than, than when we're triggered in the world and our pattern is playing. When the intention is for healing in a psychedelic space and we're intentionally going into these patterns of like, okay, why can I only make this much money? Or why does my right hip always hurt like hell and I don't have an injury there, right? Like these little indicators of patterns. Psychedelics can help us drop the conscious piece of our personality and go into the subconscious place that is protecting us from that happening again. It is the protection from us, protection of our own bodies and psyches to keep it from happening again that keeps it locked in. So we can go into that trauma with more with less protection, right? With less of that unconscious and conscious protection and more of the feeling 
more of that state where there's almost no words or explanations. And sometimes there's visuals. Sometimes I can see, oh, this is the healing that's happening with Mm -hmm. my father, or this is the healing that's happening with my digestive system. Sometimes there can be threads of that. But my experience is 99% of the healing that happens in the psychedelic space is almost unidentifiable. It's energetic. It's something's moving in my body or Mm -hmm. something is heating up in my neck or something is crying and I can feel it's coming out of my left leg, but there's almost no story to it. Mm -hmm. So I noticed that psychedelics help us get into those places that are outside of the conscious story that we tell ourselves about ourselves in the world itself. Yeah. Yeah. And even somatically, like, and there's trembles, you know, somebody oh, will get yeah. into trembles or, or breathing, the breathing changes or movement has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. The crying, all of those are, are, um, uh, parasympathetic responses to flush that out of the body. Yeah. Yeah. Are there practices that help to facilitate this? Like when you, when we're thinking about eroticism, mm-hmm. when you're in that space, like what, Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you, you said breath sound and movement earlier? Yes. Yes. Um, I teach a practice called BSMT. It's super simple breath sound movement touch, and it's a way to activate, you can call it shamanic energy, orgasmic mm-hmm. energy, yeah. erotic energy, God, like yeah. pray with your body kind of, mm-hmm. but those simple tools. And those are tools from studying from over 20 different indigenous cultures throughout the world in almost every shamanic tradition, they teach a form of breath work, sound, movement, and self-touch as ways to activate the shamanic or what we're calling the erotic state, where more aliveness and more awareness of the aliveness that's in our body is available. And I'll, I'll make sure you have the link so you could put it in your show notes too for anyone who wants to just, it's a simple practice. And I just literally lead it through with like a voice visualization that allows energy to start to move this in and of itself can be a ceremony right like psychedelics again are a tool to help us get deeper but what i really love to share with people in spaces that i facilitate is you can access these states at any time with intention and with breath sound movement and touch like we can get into these spaces where there's more erotic more shamanic energy flowing to ourselves and we can utilize it for our own healing as well Mm -hmm. so Um, that would be the base and then, uh, music is like an extension of sound and and bringing that music in. There's something about humans, words and sounds and that connection that is erotic, is enlivening, is, um, both so beautiful and so can be so painful, right? Like it's right on that edge. It's like on the clitoris edge of sensation (laughs) is with that music and utilizing that in our day-to-day life. And also in shamanic spaces and plant and psychedelic spaces, I've found is an amazing way to activate and move energy. Absolutely. And and Tantra does a lot of this work too, the breath, sound and movement and touch. The music, there's there's research done on the concept of rhythmic entrainment and how, Mm -hmm. you know, the more the processes inside our body, um, the sync up in rhythm with each other, it actually helps us and with our surroundings and other people involved, but it actually brings us closer and closer to the threshold of orgasm or, or, um, climax. You know, we use the word orgasm, but God, that word is so, uh, limited in our culture. You know, it's just focused on this genital contractions about, you know, eight to 11 contractions, but really orgasm is like you were saying early and I loved your description of it. It's just this full flood, open the gates of energy coursing through the body. And, uh, I think the more that we start redefining some of these words, we can 
discover the, uh, the healing aspects because they exist outside of these narrow confines of these definitions that we've, that we've been holding for so long. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's part of the sacred work is to like reclaim these words and, and especially as female bodied individuals, as women to stand in that as sacred. Yeah. Like that in and of itself is medicine and is profound. And, um, I don't know if deserves is the word, but really is calling forward in my experience is calling forward a seat at the spiritual table conversation that right now is like the world's religions and dudes in robes and like, you know, like yeah, there's a space yeah, that's wanting to be had um, for the orgasmic witches to come back online and say, hey, when I am with myself or with another, but mostly when I'm with myself and I'm feeling it, I'm feeling God. And this energy is the whole point of all y'all's scriptures, of all y'all's spinning, of all y'all's prayers. Like the whole point of that is more of this. Mm -hmm. This is not a threat to that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see historically. The, the, specifically the Catholic church shut down of the feminine expression of sexuality when we see that that turn from the roman empire as pantheonic into monotheistic around 300 a.d the real security around that was to make it easier for the men to go to war if we control women's sexuality the men are more likely to go fight for us if we tell women that their expression of sexuality is a distraction to spirituality rather than an emphasis on it, we then can say what it is that gets you closer to God, right? So as soon as we start to see this historical cap on the feminine expression of spirituality as, as, as uh, an access point to sexuality and sexuality as an access point to spirituality, once we see that shift, Historically, we see a, a huge shutdown, right? We're talking colonization, mm -hmm. a huge shutdown of what is our connection to Mother Earth. When we are not running the erotic as sacred, we inherently have more availability to treat the Earth with disrespect. Mm. When I'm running erotic energy through my body, there is nothing more enlivening than, than either a very aware partner or mother nature. Like mm -hmm. those are the two, those are the two in entities that I would want to net when I'm running a lot of energy through my body. I want someone else who can run it through their body and we can play with it together. Or I want to be in the river. I literally want to be with the trees. Like mm -hmm. she is running erotic energy all the time. And she is this like breathing, steaming, just giant juice of genitalia everywhere. All the flowers, they're all genitalia. All yeah. the pine pollen is just yeah. semen everywhere, right? Like this is what we are. Sex isn't something we do. Erotic isn't something we feel. It's what we are all the time. Your cells are literally having sex right now, <laughs> right? Like that's our bodies are literally fucking themselves right now. If that's not divine, I don't know what is. Yeah, I don't want it. I don't want it. Want it. <laughs> not interested. Not interested. <laughs> 
It's so true. And so it's like, as we're talking about this, you know, uh, making love, yeah, making love with somebody else, but making love with yourself, making love in your mm-hmm. environment. This morning, I had this moment, I was like, oh, I'm going to get on with Brianna Lynn. And I'm, I'm like brushing my teeth and I'm like, oh, I'm just like enjoying the sensuality of fucking brushing my teeth. <laughs> I was like, yes. I was like, babe, I was braiding my hair, doing the same thing to be like, oh, this is going to be so fun. <laughs> and this like, thank you for the juice that you bring, right? Like, thank you that we get to tap into each other this way. And, and, and this, this is the marriage that I'm really looking forward to. This is the alchemy that I'm really looking forward to as we continue to step forward as women in spirituality and whatever the fuck that means. Just bringing forward this conversation that sexual energy is not something that we do. It's something that is, it's something that we notice. It's something that I allow with my noticing. So Mm -hmm. it's already always happening in my body, no matter how shut down anyone is, it's your cells are still reproducing, baby. Like they're still doing their thing. It's how much does my trauma and my story allow me or not allow me to notice the beautiful fucking erotic energy that is already always there. Yeah. Yeah. Sensuality. You know, it can be just the input of our, of our uh, senses into data, into our body, but sensuality is more of the reaping the pleasure of those senses that we're receiving. You know, how are we making love to our tea and how are we connecting with the sensory receptors in a pleasurable way? You know, there's, there's such a, um, you know, again, speaking to that, that part of the body, the, the kinks in the body, the tension in the body, it closes our sensory receptors. We're less able to, to connect with our environment. And so here, you know, this is such a, um, you know, the concept of even the word God has so much connotation to it and so much, you know, cultural shame or, um, uh, trauma, systemic trauma around that, that word. And it's, and it's like, but you know, redefining that word as, you know, the disillusion of the boundaries around you and and life and just, Mm. you know, feeling the flow of it all as it goes through. So this, this is so beautiful and bringing up the word, um, uh, female bodies or, you know, identifying as women into this space, into this conversation, like, man, there's still so much, there's still so much, uh, shadowness as this relates in sex and shamanism. So I want to touch base with that um, as we're, you know, as we're guiding this conversation, um, the misuse of sexual energy. You know, we're talking about the beauty of it, but there's also the misuse of this. And especially in, uh, whether it's in psychedelics, even in the therapy world, (laughs) there's any of this, you bring in sex. There's, there is the shadow aspect of it. So I want to talk about that. Yeah, I think that's a really good one to talk about when we see you know power we're gonna see the misuse of it yeah and that is something we all get to navigate like what happens when I have power in my hands how do I utilize it and I would say my experience in plant medicine um I was sexually assaulted by one of the medicine men uh that I worked with in the very very beginning right? Like in my first three years of sitting with the plant medicine work. And it was framed to me as an indigenous practice that the plant medicine energy told the paje, the the curandero, the, the medicine man that I was working with, that he was supposed to do a special cleansing on me where I was naked and sprayed from head to foot with 
Florida water that came out of his mouth and um, was penetrated two different times with, with fingers during, during an ayahuasca experience, very deep. Um, and, and a few other like iffy things like laying down with the medicine man during like nap time and like being told to go lay next to him. And just like these it's more subtle. There were some very overt sexual assaults happening, mm-hmm. but then there was more subtle, like use of power and use of my feminine presence to assage or, or take care of, yeah. um, the much older medicine man. And, um, I've seen, I've seen this experience in a few different communities. I've seen it in indigenous and non-indigenous spaces. I've seen it where men are the ones who are overstepping the sexual boundaries. I've seen it where women are overstepping the sexual boundaries. But the main, the main piece is, is in a medicine space, unless you're already partnered with someone, it is best to run sexual energy within yourself and yourself only. and especially in positions of power, especially as facilitators, it is so important to understand that we are modeling with our identity, our beliefs, our behaviors, and our energy, right? So it's not only what you can see, it's like the thoughts on the inside. I remember (laughs) being raised born again Christian, we were always taught like sin isn't what you do, it's what you think. And I was always like, good Lord, like big brother in my head. (laughs) And in the plant medicine space, it is a little bit like that. Like the energy becomes so fluid and there is such a, a dissolving of the boundaries between me and other. If there is anything in me that's looking to get attention from my sexual energy or looking to get validation from my sexual energy, and I'm either A, not healing it or addressing it, pretending like it doesn't exist or unaware of it, right? Mm-hmm. Could be innocent too that shit's going to come out sideways at someone. And I have had an experience as a facilitator where I felt like, you know what, maybe I crossed the line in this area with someone who um, was working with me and sitting with me and we're good friends and had this, you know, almost like mentorship experience, although there wasn't any formal setup of it. He wasn't paying me, none of those things, but we started having a sexual relationship and it felt it felt fine for a while. And then it started to feel a little bit imbalanced. And when that started to happen, he actually named it first. And I had to check myself, right? Because there's this space of openness and where things dissolve and all is one and we're all equal and there is no power lines and, and power structures, but there is, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, yeah, that yeah. space of facilitator, I'm still learning this. I'm still a student yeah. facilitator in all the areas and and I'm a student of life but this place of like acknowledging the power structures at hand acknowledging that when we call ourselves or someone else calls us facilitator or teacher that immediately puts us into a power dynamic yeah. and pretending like those power dynamics don't exist will cause them to come out sideways so I'm not saying I'm better than anyone or that I can't have sex or that but in the medicine space or in a facilitation space where I am holding space for others my work is around looking at the places in my sexual energy where I may still be traumatized or where I may still need validation and supporting my own healing in that. So that shit doesn't come out sideways. Mm. I love that for anybody in that field. Yeah. Therapists included. Yeah. Oh, we need to be looking at that big time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, and, and these are why we're having these conversations because 
you know, there is that space of when you're in psychedelics, when you're under the influence of, of, um, uh, of medicine, there is consent is not, uh, you can't give consent because you're in an altered state. So having the clarity and having these, these guidelines set ahead of time can help to facilitate more safety. Absolutely. Absolutely. In what's happening in behaviors, like we won't touch each other. And then what's happening in energetics, we're learning how to run our sexual energy inside and teaching people like just even a five minute exercise before going into an altered state of consciousness, even if it's just catharsis, even if you're just going to do emotional work in a group, uh, I create containers where when we're going to do emotional energy in a group, there will be no sexual energy that's exchanged with each other. And for 30 days after our program, right? Mm-hmm. Like inviting them into a full moon cycle because that catharsis is such a bonding experience that could be mistaken for attraction. Trauma bonding happens a lot. Yeah. I've noticed in these workshop plant medicine weekend experiences when it's like, are you actually attracted to that person? Or did you both just heal something deep at the same time and are now looking to connect and trauma bond. So just putting that in the space for practitioners and space holders of like creating safe spaces for people to run sexual energy also requires us to say what is not going to be happening so that people can actually open that up in a safe way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really feel a strong call to teach people about how to be in their own energy and contain that. And, and for therapists, especially and facilitators, because you know, this, this happens, this comes up. I was in a um, ketamine training and I brought up the conversation around, cause they were like, no sexual, you know, no sex work, we would have, um, obviously no sex work, but, but, you know, uh, they were talking about sexual boundaries. And so I was the only one in there that spoke to the sex therapy aspect of ketamine and the importance of teaching people to have clean energy. And what does that mean? And how does that how do you train somebody to, to hold and contain their own energy? And, and, and it's such a nuanced thing for people who aren't used to the terminology around energy, but this is the reason, like, this is what has to happen. If this, if we're going to cultivate space spaces that allow for this full, um, full healing aspect that you were sharing earlier for people who are um, vetting their practitioners. So I created a guide for it to help people with some questions to ask their facilitators. Um, what could be something that, that somebody could look out for, or um, how would you recommend people to look for um, proper facilitation? I think that's an amazing question. Um, my first question is like, where were you trained? Like, who have you sat with? How long have you been sitting? Um, there are so many people serving plant medicine right now who have zero training, zero, like have sat a few times with a non-Indigenous person or, you know, took a weekend training, especially for ayahuasca. I'm still considered a novice. I want to be very clear in the lineage that I come from, I am still considered very much a student and was handed a jar of medicine because we needed women facilitators, right? Like that's that's what happened to me eight years ago was like, we need females in the space to facilitate. Normally we wouldn't do this and we need more women facilitating this medicine. And it was just like, okay, that's fascinating. And that piece around like the hesitation that came up in me for two and a half years, I was in hesitant mode of like, this is a lot to hold. So first is like, who are they and, and who do they train with? 
Yeah. Number one, number two, um, how do they run their own sexual energy outside of the plant medicine work? If you've never met your plant medicine person and you're about to go sit with them, for me, I would never do that. I, I want to know someone a little bit or like have at least interacted with them or at least seen like something on social media where you can see their energy and how they run their own energy, how they are speaking about themselves mm-hmm. and others. Like what is that container that they have for themselves? So lineage container, where they get their medicine, like who made your medicine? Do you know the name of the tribe? I think that's a big one. And then number four, I always ask about money. Like, what's this money going towards? I'm paying you for this weekend. How much goes back to the tribe? How much goes back to the teachers that had taught you this, this, this medicine? For me and mine, uh, the Earth Temple and the organization that I run, we do 10%. So everything that comes to us, 10% of that, before cost, all the things, 10% is tied directly back to the tribes where the medicine is coming from. Mm. And I find that to be an integral piece because sex and money and power are so intimately connected that erotic energy is directly connected to how we give and receive energy that includes in the form of money i highly suggest to not be scared to ask about sexual energy and about money energy because these are going to be the things that come up usually within the first three traumas we're talking about Mm -hmm. money sex and power yeah Yep. (laughs) So asking those questions of your medicine person and noticing how your body feels when they respond. Tapping into your erotic energy, not just what they say and if it's the right answer, but in your body, does it feel safe? Does it feel free? Does it feel true? Does it feel authentic in your body when they respond to these questions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that that piece, that's what's included in my guide as well, because especially for, you know, we're thinking of vulnerable populations are the ones that are seeking out this healing. And so many of them have had broken boundaries or never had good models of boundaries or to self-trust their own intuitive feelings. And so it is very empowering to tell people, tune into your body, what it's saying there and follow that rather than, you know, take a friend's referral and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to sit with this guy, even though it doesn't feel good. I love yeah. that. There's also, so I'm including a link to uh, Chikruna's uh, Ayahuasca Community Guideline for the Awareness of Sexual Abuse. It is an incredible outline to be able to help you to, to navigate these spaces, as well as if something happens to you where you can go for that support. So how can people find you and, and your work? And um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the best way I'm on Instagram. So at Rev Brianna Lynn, and then our website is theearthtemple.com. Brilliant. You are brilliant. I fucking love you. This was such a great conversation. I'm excited for more. We have to have you back. We have to do you know, this, this work. <laughs> yes, please. Anytime with you, anytime. Well, that was fun. Thanks for tuning in lovers. And if you want to experience more ecstasy and sexual liberation, head over to sexlovepsychedelics.com and learn about how you can join me for any one of my online or live events. And while you're there, grab my free guide on sex and psychedelics. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider and local law before pursuing any of the products or psychedelics discussed. And one final note here, I make this show specifically for you. If you're loving the show, 
then be sure to leave me a review in iTunes or Spotify to let me know. Happy to be here and happy to serve. I'll see you next time on Sex Love Psychedelics. <laughs>